0: Explore the new ACV AHA guideline and key highlights for supporting and guiding your severe symptomatic aortic stenosis patients at heartvalves.com. This message is brought to you by Edward Fleifinf. Connect with us at heartvalve.com.
1: You're listening to RoxArt Radio. This month, Roxana Moran hears 2022 predictions from Stefan Achenbach, Donald Loyne Jones, and Dipti Ichaporia. Hello, everyone. Roxana Moran from Mount Sinai Hospital in New York, ICANN School of Medicine. And what a pleasure today. Boy, do we have a show for all of you to listen to today. Our podcast today is with the presidents of all of our cardiology societies the American College of Cardiology, the American Heart Association, and the European Society of Cardiology. What an incredible! thrilled to have my guests here today. The podcast is the last of the year for December of 2021. And what an incredible time for us to be able to chat with the leaders on the reflection from 2021 and a look ahead for 2022 for our field of cardiovascular diseases. So with me today, and I'm just so I think we, we just absolutely saved the best for last. And uh, with me today, Uh, is uh, Dr. Dipti Echeporia, who is the Eric and Sheila Sampson Endowed Chair in Cardiovascular Health, Director of Disease Management for Hoag Heart and Vascular Institute, and Associate Professor um, at University of California, Irvine, President of the American College of Cardiology. Welcome, Dr. Echeporia.
2: Thank you so much, Dr. Moran. Um,
1: We then have... uh, Dr. Don Lloyd-Jones, who is Chair of Department of Preventive Medicine, the Eileen M. Foal Professor of Preventive Medicine, Epidemiology, Cardiology, and Pediatrics, President of the American Heart Association. Welcome, Dr. Lloyd-Jones.
0: Thanks so much, Dr. Moran. Great to be with you.
1: And at last but not least, um, Dr. Stefan Achenbach, who is the chairman of cardiology and professor of medicine at the University of Erlangen in Germany, president of the European Society of Cardiology. Wow, what a list here. Welcome, Dr. Achenbach.
3: Well, thanks for having me.
1: Well, if it's okay, I'm going to kind of now start talking with you guys with the first name so that we can make it go um, nice and smooth. Welcome to our program. It's really wonderful to have you all. How are you all feeling it's the end of the year should we stretch a little <laughs> bit and just say Whoo, taking a deep breath
3: yep what a Stephane?
1: year yeah Stefan how are you feeling no, we are,
3: we are, it's the end of the year but we of course in Europe are I mean COVID is the big topic we are bracing for the fourth wave which is really building up and I know, we do not rough, huh? so at the same time it's the end of the year but it's also at the beginning of something which is a little uncertain
1: Oh, right it's a little bit scary right I mean um, I I know and I'm I'm sending you a lot of uh, uh, deep heartfelt um, regards because I know Germany is in a tough place Austria Netherlands Belgium uh, mm-hmm. etc and it's the Delta virus not the Omicron
3: correct Delta so far yes in Germany we have been seeing a plateau a bit for about four or five days now and everybody is hoping that this is maybe a turn. But in many other European countries, everything is still steep on the rise. It's delta, as you say. Yes.
1: Yeah, and uh, I think it's similar here. Don, how are you feeling?
0: You know, um, so much to be hopeful about. You know, going forward, I think we've continued to see just amazing advances in what we can do in cardiovascular care, but so much to be worried about too. You know, with this pandemic, not only the direct effects of COVID, of course, on our patients and on our colleagues. Um, very importantly, but also I think that we're starting to understand what some of the ripple effects are going to be of this pandemic, seeing just dramatic reductions in blood pressure control rates in this country, I'm widening sure disparities, cool. reductions in diabetes control rates, reductions in cholesterol control rates. We're going to be living with the effects of this pandemic and it, and its cardiovascular ripple effects for years and decades to come. It's very concerning and yet there is a lot to be hopeful about, you know, I think we're continuing to see major advances in heart failure care, in detection of atrial fibrillation, in our ability to treat hypertension in new and different ways, you know, so I'm kind of torn, I'm, I'm sort of heading in two different directions, you know, worried, but hopeful, I guess, is how I would characterize it.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm, I can't wait to dig deeper into that. Uh, but it's a it really is this sort of Kind of walking a tightrope right not knowing yeah. which way we're going to fall or or can we stand straight and can the rope become a plank and can we walk uh easier uh dipti, your thoughts how are you feeling
2: um you know i i have to say that um these are interesting times i think the pandemic certainly has changed altered our lives i think forever i think both personally and professionally and i I think it's gonna be important for us to really take stock of all the lessons that we're, we are learning and will continue to learn. you know. And I think that what the post pandemic world looks like still sort of remains to be seen. But I, I think that our experience with COVID now uh, has given us some insights and perspective as to what we really need to take into the future, right? I mean, I think that one of the big lessons of this has been the fact that I think we're really coming to completely understand how much health is tied to the economy, the economic health of you know of all different countries, right? Of each nation, health is such an important thing. And if we didn't believe health was important, we really understand how important health is and how it's tied to the economy. I think that we've learned how to come together as a community, particularly the cardiovascular community, as we battle an unknown, initially an unknown virus. Um, I think we have started to embrace digital transformation. Uh, and I think we will continue that and we can talk about that further when we talk about what's coming up. I think we have seen um, the health disparities that I think we that have always existed in healthcare, And I think now we're really coming to terms with really looking at it and saying we can no longer just see it, but we need to actually do something about it. And then I think that we've been very innovative. You know, we're, we are starting to talk about what does it mean to take care of ourselves as well as our patients. So clinician well-being, we've all highlighted that this past year and we will continue to do so uh, and talk about clinician well-being as well as safety. So I, I think there's a lot here. I agree with Don. There's a lot to be hopeful for. Uh, the fact that all of us are here together, healthy, talking about this. Uh, that we're in a position to make a difference for our patients and the cardiovascular community is something to be, you know, thankful for. So lots of things to be thankful for, lots to be hopeful for. Um, so I- I'm I'm very positive about the future.
1: Stefan, are you as positive as Dipti? It seemed like it's a little different when you're in a middle of a, of a, of a huge uh, surge of cases in yes. your country. So it's harder to, like, you know, for us, I think it's going to come to us as well. Every time, whatever happens in Europe, we get to see it a month or two later. So
3: what's your...
1: What do you feel It's always like? difficult,
3: right, to separate the very short-term developments or mid-term from the longer term. And Don and Dipte have both pointed out that there are massive and very positive developments in cardiology. The digital transformation, mainly for me, this means working with big data. Digital communication is just one aspect. It's working with big data and the more we can learn. And as Don said, heart failure treatment, so much new in my particular area, you know, imaging imaging of atherosclerosis, very soon we'll be able to much better identify those patients who really need a statin, for example. We're learning so much in this context. Who needs revascularization? Who does not? The field is really moving, and this is overshadowed, of course, currently by the COVID-19, and there are some lessons here. One of, of, of them, as Dipti has said, we are moving closer together. You can feel it, right? I, I think the community is really coming together and moving to work together and to exchange and to communicate and feel more as one. That's my perception. We are moving closer together. We're also realizing that as cardiovascular healthcare professionals, there's things outside the immediate medicine that are important. Keeping the teams together, making sure that the structures are the right structures, you know, that there's a good working environment, that the teams function in difficult conditions, that we're not losing too many support staff, And this is something that has been important all along, but we are realizing it more. So this is also something positive that can be taken out of the overall negative of the COVID-19 pandemic. So there is the massive train of cardiology and cardiovascular medicine moving in a positive direction. This is overshadowed by COVID-19, but we have to be able to separate the two. But Don, you um,
1: as a prevention expert uh, and the chief, Science and and uh, medical officer of the American Heart Association um, what are what, what, do you, what do you think are you very worried about both primary and secondary prevention now after you know we saw the report in circulation with uh, um, huge uh, terrible numbers in hypertension you already mentioned diabetes control is a little bit out of control um, what are what are your uh, what are what are, how are you uh, looking at this? And please unmute.
0: Thank you. Yeah, thanks for reminding me. Um, boy, if that isn't the the uh, the sentence of twenty twenty one, I don't know what is, right? <laughs> um, but thanks for reminding me, Roxana. Yeah, you you know, I, I think you you hit on those things. Um, really important to understand what our patient experience has been throughout all of this. And you know I think we, we know from the summer of 2020, 45% of Americans were saying they were delaying or deferring medical care because they were worried about coming into a healthcare setting and getting the virus. Even as recently as this past summer in 2021, still 20% of Americans delaying care. And I think we've seen that play out in people not presenting with heart attacks and strokes, Or presenting very late in the course and so they've had much worse outcomes we've seen also people disconnecting from their primary care and and you know some of their their more advanced care as well and that's the explanation i think for the loss of connectivity the the loss of blood pressure control and these other risk factors these things are going to play out over the long period because even as people get back in contact with their regular uh, areas of medical care it takes time to get blood pressure back under control. It takes time to get people back into good habits of health behaviors that that are gonna help them lose the weight that they gained during the pandemic, get back on their sort of usual routines. So we're not gonna flip a switch and go back to where we were in blood pressure control rates and these other things in 2019. It's gonna take concerted effort. Now, the digital transformation may actually help us do this, right? Because I think we've really understood getting home blood pressure monitors, for example, in the hands of our patients, te- teaching them how to use them and, and empowering them to do a little bit more self-management and self-care and checking in with us or with our, you know, PAs or nurse practitioners so that they're doing things the right way. I think this could be a really powerful way forward and will help us accelerate the return to better hypertension control rates. But boy, we, we do have a long way to go. And you know, it it could potentially exacerbate some of those disparities because people who have access to technology or access to you know the means to communicate through telehealth are going to be very different and more advantaged than the people who don't have those opportunities. So we have to be really careful here that we do this in an equitable way.
1: Uh, Dipti, as somebody who's led the uh, digital transformation even before we for a long, long time, and you, I've heard your uh, wonderful talks on this and if you led the way and ACC is actually working towards that as one of its strategic uh, plans. um, What do you see this? I mean, the reflection could be that, yes, telehealth is great and we just heard from Don that this could be, but it could also have a created digital divide, uh, especially for the, uh, for the, uh, you know, for, uh, because of the social determinants of health and access to, to what's needed. Um, where where do you stand on that? And is the reflections the big reflection in two thousand and twenty one is the incorporation of the digital health tools that helps us connect with our patients? And and then where do we go from here?
2: And no, I, I think that um, when you think about digital transformation, there are many components, right? The ACC thinks of it that our innovation program looks at it as the virtual care, which does include a telehealth platform, but I think it's more than just telehealth. Then we have remote patient monitoring that hopefully will allow us to get data on patients so that we can make the shift to wellness care, right? right? Not just health. We really want to get healthcare, not sick care, which is what we do now. And hopefully these sensors and remote monitoring allow us to get uh, inform us about when the patients are well so that we know when they do get sick. And then the third component is sort of AI-driven care, which goes back to what Stefan said about big data and how do we grapple with all of this data? Look, the genie's out of the bottle in terms of telehealth. So we definitely want to make sure that we continue to provide a platform for you know, a, a, a virtual visit for patients. That That, that is absolutely something we need to do. But I think we in cardiology need to augment those visits with other data and other data points. And to be honest with you, the, the, the consumers are wanting this, but when they want to send us all this data from their Apple Watch or, you know, other, or other devices, we need a way to ma- ma- be able to manage all of that. I agree with you that one of the challenges is going to be this sort of digital divide, but I think we need to be aware that there could be the possibility of that and sort of make sure that we, uh, you know, uh, we when we go forward, we wanna make sure there's broadband access. We wanna make sure that that the transformative technologies are really scalable and sustainable so that we can meet the patients and clinicians where they are. So I think finding ways to use technology to screen for social factors, to provide non-medical healthcare for non-acute assistance can help facilitate things at home, but also provide support in, in a lot of different ways. We can combat social isolation. We can support our aging population. So lots of different things that I think we can do I think when we talk about health equity, I think we think about some of our big problems. I think that innovation, digital transformation may be a potentially great way to scale some of these big issues that we, we haven't known how to deal with. But I think we need to be very thoughtful. And, and I wanna go back to what Don's point was. That I agree with everything that he said, but I think this is a time for us to look back and reflect on communication. Because you know the patients don't have as much trust. Look at the vaccine hesitancy and all of this how we communicate the messages about blood pressure and all of that. It's an opportunity for a redo. If we do things the same way that we've been doing, we may only hit the same targets. And maybe we need to think bigger than that this time. Think oh, so bigger, thinking and re-
1: bigger I love yeah. that. I love thinking bigger. <laughs> um, Stefan, I, And I am gonna go around and I wanna just, if you had to put one word into a, as a reflection of like last year in 2021, what would it be? 2021. Resilience. Resilience. Yeah, that's a
3: good one. At the beginning of the pandemic, we had to, you know, cope with the new situation. We had to pull all our strengths together. We had to be flexible and creative. 21, to me, seemed to be, you know, the tough motivation under, you know, dragged out time interval of unknown duration, you know, to perform high levels, to keep the teams together in spite of all the negative circumstances that persisted for so long. So resilience in the way of being able to perform at a high level, even though the circumstances are dire, I think, and pulling the teams together. We are all team workers, right? We are a team with our patients. We are a team with our coworkers. We are a team with the nurses and the staff. I think the the pandemic has really brought this up. So for me, it's resilience. Maybe maybe that would be the word.
1: My goodness, resilience. I love that for 2021. Don, what's your word for 2021?
0: You know, I'm not sure I can beat that because it's such a it's such a great reflection of, I think, the way we've come together um, and and really does encompass so much of things. But I also, you know, I I don't want to be a downer here, but I also think that, you know, we've continued to see huge inequities. Um, And I think for me, that's the thing we are going to need to address most Mm -hmm. squarely. Um, in our society, is addressing those inequities and, you know, um, and finding the resilience factors that will allow us to do that, right? Um, so, so I'll I'll, um, I'll I'll endorse Stefan's word because I love it and I think it's going to be one of the most important ways out of this. But what are we going to need to address most urgently? It's inequity,
1: the gaps, the gaps, yeah. right? Yep. I think that's a really big one, inequity yep. and gaps. Yes, Dipti, what's your reflection? word for 2021 oh my gosh it's
2: hard to come down with a word i think uh, stefan being the first one grabbed the best one which is resilience (laughs) so but i you know i will pile on to some of those words i think health is a good word for this year because that became such a big thing i think innovation because we really sort of embraced a lot of innovative ways to reach out to each other professionalism we certainly demonstrated that Um, so i think there are lots of words that we can use but maybe we need to maybe if i if you're forcing me to say a word i'll say health
1: Yeah, and and I'll tell you what my word is. It's not not a good one. It's called COVID fatigue. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I think uh, we're all exhausted. Um, Our children, our families, um, the world is exhausted with COVID fatigue. And I think we need resilience. We need to address health and we need to address inequities in order to, to get over this fatigue because it won't go away unless we actually address it head on and and we have to be resilient, so I think it's it's really true, so now. looking to control into 20... in
3: motivation and communication right. Um, yeah yeah no question. Is at that. Really, really important to keep everything working, motivation and communication. Yeah.
1: You know at the start of this year when when the ball dropped here in Times Square from 2020 to 2021, we were all like oh I can't wait for this wonderful year to come because 2020 was such a horrific year, especially for New York. We lost so many loved ones. We lost so many amazing people and we lost so many humans on earth. And, uh, and we had no idea that 2021 um, was gonna be even worse in terms of loss of life and um, and everything. And so the resilience factor is massively important But now I'm looking forward to the ball dropping again in in, uh, 2021 so that we start a new year. And as we look at 2022 without telling us what ACC, AHA or ESC stand, what do you each personally are looking forward to? So here I'm gonna go in the reverse order and maybe I'll start with you Dipti. What are you looking for in 2022 personally? Personally? I think to have
2: back the freedom that we had before. I, you didn't appreciate that you could go anywhere and do everything that you wanted to do. Now we worry: well, Do I have my mask? Can I go there? Do I have my COVID test? I, you know, I, I want us to be free again to do all those things that we were doing before. You know, uh, I know life will never go back to be, being the same, but I certainly would love to see all my friends uh, abroad and everywhere else. You know, across the world. Um, so I, I think to be together again is is
1: you know would be something that would
0: give me a lot of joy. Yeah, Don? Yeah, I'll, I'll build on that. You know, I think that we do need to get back to living our lives and and con- connecting with the people that are important to us and that's so true personally. You know, I we're we're hopefully going to have a more normal Christmas this year in my family and actually be able to travel back east and be with all of my family and then all of my wife's family, which we couldn't do last year. Um <clears throat> so I'm you know really looking forward to opportunities like that. But but professionally, to Dipti's point, absolutely. You know, let's get everybody vaccinated and let's be safe together, but we have to get back to in-person meetings. Really looking forward to that, you know, those spring meetings coming along where hopefully we can pull this off again and we have to get our young people in the habit of connecting in-person at these meetings for the networking opportunities, for the scientific exchange of ideas, for the, for the exchange of ideas around the best care for our patients. I mean, if we lose this generation of scientists and clinicians, and they don't understand the value of our in-person meetings, it's going to be a huge loss to the to the community and, and to our ability to give care uh, and advance science. So I really, really am hopeful we can get back to, again, sort of doing things even better than we were doing them before, but doing them in person. And I think it's going to be an incredibly important thing that we, must move to in 2022.
1: So Stefan, your own personal and then maybe you can start with what ESC looks forward to this next year in 2022.
3: But personally, you know, everybody has the difficulties. No life is completely, you know, easy going. Everybody has to cope with the, some difficult circumstances, but thinking back of what life was like before covid, it was unburdened. You know, people were happy and easy going and this is very much what what I'm looking forward to that around me For some reason, not even so much for myself, because in my professional life, you know, we have been lucky, we could pursue our professional life like we did before, but around me and the teams I work with, I'm really looking forward to everybody being a little bit less burdened, more unburdened than they were during the COVID times. It's like in Germany, we have seasons, like the summer and fall and winter, and I'm waiting for the spring in a double meaning for the spring to come as a season, but also as the feeling um, in the society where things become easier again, it gets light and sunny outside. And I'm sure this is what we will experience in 2022. Lots of happy moments and unburdened um, um, activities that we can do again. I, I, I just hope so much and I'm rather convinced that this will be 2022. That's for me personally and for the ESC almost the same thing you know we look forward to bringing people together in meetings again we look forward to combining what we have learned about online education and online communication with what we know to, how to do well in person events and combining this we create something new and very good experiences for many 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 members of the cardiovascular community these are the plans that the ESC has and Hopefully, and I'm rather confident that will come true in 22.
1: And it's in Barcelona, one of the most amazing cities, and yes. we're all really excited. So, Barcelona, August 2022.
3: Absolutely. Is that right? easy yes, Barcelona.
1: So, I want all of our uh, colleagues online to listen and, and make sure that they support the uh, in person as well as hopefully the online um, uh, attendance for ESC 2022. It's always a fantastic venue and we look forward to that as well um dipty your uh, yours uh, you already told us your reflections for 2022 where is ac what's acc looking forward to because you you guys always come first in in the spring uh, and and the first meeting of the year
2: right so we have our first meeting at april the first weekend of april and uh, it'll be in washington dc so it'll be a great place for all of us to gather so I, I pray that all of our colleagues will be able to come and travel from from all over the world to, to come and be at the very first meeting. Uh, I think the ACC looks forward to pushing the agenda with regards to health equity. So, you know, the Triple Aim was introduced by the Institute of Healthcare Improvement in 2007. That sort of said we need pay, improved patient experience, better outcomes, but lower costs. But we recognized that by 2014 we weren't achieving that, so we went to the Quadruple Aim, um, which is the clinician well-being piece. Uh, and then the what I've introduced this year is that I thought of the quintuple aim, which adds not only all of the triple aim, the, the, the piece of the clinician well-being, but also health equity at, at, at its forefront. And I think that all leads to better health and improved, uh, improved economy. So I think pushing our digital transformation, um, you know, pushing all of the, um, the issues with regards to health disparities, all of that. And I think really just trying to get back to um, bringing that whole cardiovascular community together to continue to, um, to, you know, uh, to, to show growth in all the things and in, uh, all the things that we do, you know be the forefront in research, guideline development, and best practices for transforming care. So
1: Fantastic. Well, it's going to be a great year. It sounds like both from the ESC and ACC perspective, and for ACC, it's the first weekend in April, Washington, D.C., in the home of ACC, uh, which is where the Heart House is. And so it's just very, very exciting. So, Don, um, the American Heart Association, how, what are we looking forward to in 2022? We're combating heart disease, you guys, in the forefront with a very, very big agenda in front of you. And uh, tell us about it.
0: Yeah, huge agenda. Um, thanks so much for the opportunity. You know, I think right now our North Star is what we're calling our 2024 impact goal. Um, and the, the the evergreen statement there is that every person deserves the opportunity for a full and healthy life. And it really drives to some of the issues we've been talking about today about equity. You know, we are laser focused on making sure that we reduce disparities, particularly in things like blood pressure control and exposure to nicotine and vaping products. So, you know, using all of our clinical tools, guidelines, implementation, but also our public health uh, advocacy priorities to push on these two particularly important cardiovascular risk factors that are also triggers for cardiovascular and stroke events as well, right? And so really, really centrally important to improving the public's health but also making sure that we get more people covered so that they can actually access health care and make sure that we improve the quality of that health care as well. All of these things driving to reduce the disparities that we see across geographic stratifiers, rural, urban, socioeconomic positions, certainly race-ethnic groups. Um, all those things really have become the North Star of what AHA wants to drive to do to promote equity and reduce health disparities. So, you know, we've we put actually a $230 million commitment over the next three years behind these strategies and really are looking forward to getting to the goal of 2024 seeing improvements in equity, which will actually be the 100th anniversary of the American Heart Association. So we're very much looking forward to that.
1: Wow, and and uh, 2022 meetings will be in your town in Chicago, yes, isn't that right? Yeah, that uh, is and, correct. Uh, very, very exciting. And uh, I look forward to that as well. And then the next president, is Michelle Albert who will be presiding at that time. Isn't that correct?
0: That is correct as well. Yes. Looking forward to her leadership. She's amazing. And as you know, currently is actually also president of the Association of Black Cardiologists, in addition to being the president-elect of the AHA. So she is truly, you know, one of those amazing leaders that's gonna, gonna take us to the future.
1: Now, as I listen to the three of you, I'm just so hopeful about the future of patients with and humans with um, heart disease and what ACC, AHA, and ESC is doing to fight heart disease around the world to make a global impact. And it just is such a pleasure. And it really is clear to me why the three of you are the leaders of these organizations because of your insight, your brilliance, your commitment, your hard work, but, but most importantly, your bright and uh, vision for the future. And I think that just really speaks loudly about leaders um, of these important and incredibly essential uh, organizations that um, also help clinicians and physicians do their job and take care of patients. So thank you for your commitment. Thank you for the work you're doing. But most importantly, thank you for being on Rock's Heart Radio. I'm so humbled. I can't believe that I have gotten the best, the top-notch crew here on this Last um, podcast of the year, um, it really truly is uh, uh, keeping the best for the last, and and it really speaks to that. And thank you so much from the bottom of my heart. I really really appreciate your time. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Don. Thank you, Stefan. Thank you, Dipti. I I, I wish you all you and yours a wonderful holiday, and look so forward to working with each and every one of you in 2022 and beyond. Thank you.
2: Thank you, Roxana. Wishing you a wonderful holiday season and good health.